Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've had three days to process the Steelers' loss to the Vikings, and that time has only made me more upset. Upset at the state of the Steelers and the level of play, yes, but more upset with the narratives and reactions I see each week, and especially after this week. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. In Thursday night football, since the drafting of Ben Roethlisberger in 2004, the Steelers are 10-8 and on Thursday night. But when you break that down, they are 8-1 and at home, and they are now 2-7 and on the road. That's a pretty steep difference. In those two road wins, Ben Roethlisberger in each of those games threw exactly 20 passes. And the Steelers had a running back run for 120 yards. That's how they won Thursday night football on the road. Run game, Ben throws roughly 20 passes. You can do it. On Thursday night football, in general, you can expect to see teams play like they don't remember what sport football is, like they've never run the plays that are called before, and like no one wants to be out there hitting anyone, a.k.a. exactly what we saw a good bit of in that game. 
Thursday night football is a crapshoot. And the away team loses by far the majority of the games. The Steelers are more skewed in that sense than other teams. They are worse on the road on Thursday night than the rest of the NFL, and they are better at home. They're that team. That's who the Steelers are on Thursday night. If they're at home, they're going to win. They're probably going to win big. If they're on the road, you can expect a bunch of ugly football and a loss. That's what we saw. We could end the show right there. One of my biggest takeaways from this game is don't rate anything too much. Thursday night football isn't normal football. It's a whole different element. It's its own thing. It's not like the Steelers are going to come out and play better next week because they had a little bit of time off and they came out and revamped things. No, they're going to play better because it's not Thursday night. Whether they win or lose, it's not going to be Thursday night football. But the same could be said for the Minnesota Vikings. The second half, the Minnesota Vikings kind of let their foot off the gas and they couldn't get anything going again. They couldn't put their foot back on the gas. Why? Because everyone's tired. No one really had good practices. It, it's a game perfect for terrible football. That's what Thursday night football is. I would actually be interested to see the number of times we've had big score swings in Thursday night football games. That's something I should look up because I'd expect you see it a lot. One team starts hot. The other team starts crappy. And then over time, it flips. I think that's a Thursday night football thing in games that aren't just absolutely blowouts. But even though, in my opinion, Thursday night football is worthless and stupid, I think it's, I, I don't even think it should exist. It's terrible football. Every game we play there is just not good. Even though that's my opinion on it, there's still some evaluations we can make in this game. And we're going to start by looking at each position group and where they struggled and where they did well. We're going to start with the offensive line. Uh, The positive side of this offensive line game was they did really well when they were blocking someone. And their actual blocking, like once they engaged with someone, how well did they block them? They did pretty good. They did pretty good in the run game. They did good in a lot of those things. Where the offensive line struggled was in the middle of the game when the Minnesota Vikings were blitzing and they were being creative with who they were sending and they were doing a lot of you know, loading everyone up on the line and dropping some people and, and rushing others and mixing up who they're rushing and who they're dropping. And a lot of it involved uh, dropping out the middle of the line or dropping out one part of the line, like three guys next to each other all drop. And blitzing everyone else to try and what's called an overload blitz. Because you're sending a whole bunch of people one way and just leaving some blockers with no obvious people to, to block. The offensive line, because they're looking across and they're saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to block this guy. Well, when that guy drops, now they've already taken steps to defend themselves against that guy and to block him. Now they got to go find someone else. They were doing a crappy job of that. Minnesota had all the momentum, all the advantage in those disguised blitzes. uh, And the offensive line just kind of sucked at it. Ben Roethlisberger also struggled with reading those blitzes. There were a couple of plays where it's like, you've got to know if they're rushing seven guys, 
and you've got five offensive linemen and Najee Harris is running a route. That's two people that aren't being blocked. You've got to get rid of the ball. He took a couple of sacks where he just didn't early in the game. It's it's typical, like, guys, do you, do you remember what sport you're playing kind of moments? Like, hey, you know, wake up. Look at what's going on around you. Play smart football. And they weren't. The offensive line wasn't. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't. Once again, we saw the end of the game come, and Ben Roethlisberger look really good. Look really good. And it's the same thing that happens every week. There is a tried-and-true approach that works defending this Steelers team, and that is go cover one. Make Ben Roethlisberger beat you with accurate deep balls. He just doesn't throw them all the time. He's very inconsistent. People say, oh, dude, we've seen him drop some beautiful passes. We absolutely have seen him throw some beautiful passes. The problem is, does he do it consistently? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Oftentimes on deep passes, he's inaccurate enough to lead lead the receiver to the defense. He doesn't split safeties very often and we and it frustrates me because we saw him do it we saw that pass to pat fryermuth at the end of the game my goodness that was a laser beam but we don't see those passes and there are opportunities for them on film but ben doesn't take them unless he is in like desperation mode and that's when he plays better he gets a little more desperate the defense backs off a little bit because they have a big score and Ben Roethlisberger starts carving them up. One of the things that happens is, you know, they, they switch from a cover one to a cover two or a cover three to be like, hey, we're going to prevent deep plays. We're going to go stop big plays, make them use time. The old uh, Dick LeBeau strategy that works way more than it fails, with, especially with those Dick LeBeau teams. Uh, Because they could slow the other team down enough that it was basically like, you have to score three times and you have this much clock. Well, we're just going to run your clock out. We're going to let you complete underneath. We're going to tackle you in bounds. And we're going to make you run 40 plays, you know, to tie the game. And you've got four minutes to do it. Well, the Steelers have won the game. If they get any, if they get any offense going at all, they've won that game. That was how he did it. Same defense here. But when you do that, you let Ben Roethlisberger start hitting those underneath passes, those crossing routes, those little little dump-offs to to Claypool coming across the middle, and he makes some plays. Or or DJ does the same thing. uh, Deontay Johnson gains some yards on those. Ray Ray McLeod has been doing well on those. If you give Ben Roethlisberger those plays, if you give him the little five-yard stop routes, he gets in a rhythm, and then he can start burning you deep. If you take those away early and you don't let him get in a rhythm, his deep accuracy is usually pretty bad. And so when teams let off and let him start getting into a rhythm, that's when he becomes dangerous and is able to beat them. It, it's pretty predictable. If, I, if you're a defense facing the Steelers, and you can keep your defensive players' intensity up, you can run cover one and do well against Ben late. Uh, And that's Ben Roethlisberger. That's who he is at this point in his age. He needs to get going, and teams playing cover one, aggressively attacking short routes in the line of scrimmage, can stop him from getting into a rhythm. One unusual thing that happened this game is Ben Roethlisberger and Deontay Johnson struggled. 
10 targets for Deontay Johnson. He caught five, 50%. That's low for him. That's pretty bad. For 76 yards, not the worst. That's 7.6 yards per target. Uh, with an interception on that slant route that you can blame both the receiver and quarterback for. Johnson has to win that route. He has to. And Ben Roethlisberger, or at least, you know, don't let the guy jump in front of you and just be like, oh, no, he jumped in front of me and now he has the ball. What am I going to do? No, you have to fight for that. And as Ben Roethlisberger, man, if you're paying attention, you saw him, Deontay Johnson, run straight into the defender and then threw the ball to him. They had that beat from the start. That was both of them. Both of them screwing up there in that interception. One of the problems we saw with Deontay Johnson is when Brashad Breland and Deontay Johnson got lined up together, Breland was winning that matchup. He was winning that matchup. But when Breland got put on Chase Claypool, Claypool absolutely destroyed Brashad Breland. And that brings us to Claypool. If you take away all of the stupid, immature, and selfish things Chase Claypool did, and there's a number, right? There's a number of them. His performance, running, catching the footballs, was one of the best of his career. He was, the little bit he was on the field after he got benched, when he came back in, he played well. The end of the game, that last drive, was basically just Ben Roethlisberger and Chase Claypool carving him up. That doesn't negate the number of stupid, immature, and selfish things Chase Claypool did, but it does show us what this team needs from him. We can live with an angry Chase Claypool. We can live with an emotional Chase Claypool. But we can't deal with is stupid, selfish, and like, I don't know, apathetic Chase Claypool? I don't I don't. that's right to, way to put it, where he's not putting in the same effort. I want to see him out there fighting. You know what? I would take him punching a defender in the face every single game if he was fighting for footballs the way he was fighting in that game. If he was running routes as crisp and as hard as he was running routes in that game, if, if that's what it takes, I'd take him punching a guy in the face every week. Like, go do it. Get, get some get some unnecessary roughness penalties, but not for poking your finger in someone's face. That's petty and stupid. That's Bush League crap. Not for posing when you need to get the freaking ball lined up. Posing for a first down marker. That's stupid. I would take angry Chase Claypool... And a 15, I'd, I'd take two 15-yard penalties for just him being too rough and playing too physical if it means he's going to put on a performance like he did when he was actually fighting for the ball and making plays. That's my Chase Claypool rant. I, I, I just hate the, the cocky, immature, and petty play by him. You know, give me angry. Give me violent. I'll take that. I'll take some errors in that regard. But errors of just being stupid and petty and immature, no. I'm not taking that. And there's a problem here that correlates with this, and that is when Deontay Johnson is by far, the, when he's the number one receiver, and that by that I mean he's by far the focus of the offense, right? He's getting a lot more targets than anyone else is getting. Even in part of a game, the Steelers are a worse team. When it's more balanced and when Chase Claypool is making plays, the Steelers are so much better. 
Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, is a phenomenal number two receiver. But he's not really a number one. He's got the skills. He's got the talent. But every single game we are relying on him to be that guy, the Steelers' offense is terrible. So I can't can't sit here and say, you know what, he needs to be that guy. He needs to be the focus of this offense. No. He doesn't because when they have to do that, when they when they make those choices and they're just throwing the ball to DJ all the time, this offense isn't good. They need a playmaker that can kind of draw away from Deontay Johnson, and then Deontay Johnson is just absolutely murderous to deal with. Let's move on to the running backs. Najee Harris ran really well. Again, he was a good receiver. He was himself. Uh, after a few games where it was looking like he was becoming a better pass blocker, he really struggled with blitz pickup along with the rest of the offensive line and the blocking uh, and looked like the pass blocker he was earlier in this season where he just really struggled. Najee Harris, he, he just continues to look like himself, right? Like you can get high or low on him, but he's the same player. Just about every game, he's the same player. Tight end play was really solid. Friermuth had that touchdown. Uh, he he was close on what would have been that touchdown at the end. Uh, but those the, the two touchdowns, the one he scored and the one he didn't catch, were two targets, right? Outside of that, he had one target. Three targets. That's his lowest number of targets he's received since the Steelers played the Denver Broncos. Since the Steelers played the Denver Broncos in week five, October 10th. It's been two months. That's the fewest targets Fryermuth has had in over two months. Absolutely terrible. You've gotta you've gotta get him the ball. Uh, as for that last pass, man. Good play by the defender there. Hit the ball right as Fryermuth brought it in. Didn't have time to really secure it. He was catching it, and then the ball was hit out of his hands. Super, it'd be a super hard task for him to to hold on to that. It was a it was a good route, a good job getting to the ball by Fryermuth. It was an absolutely dynamite throw by Ben Roethlisberger, but it was also a great play by the defense. If you're looking at the game and saying that play lost us the game and you're and you're tempted to blame Pat Fryermuth, don't. Stop yourself. You can't blame that play. The correct situation to blame is that the Steelers were in a spot where they needed that play. Where they needed another eight points in the fourth quarter. Where this team needed to score 29 points in the fourth quarter to force overtime. 29 in one quarter. That's ridiculous. That's why they lost the game. Sure, yeah, it's great that Ben Roethlisberger suddenly looked great at the end of the third period, and you end up with, what was it, 17, a little over 17 minutes, the Steelers scored 28 points. That's nice. Good job. But you know what? How about before that? How about the other 43 minutes of the game when the Steelers didn't score a single point. Maybe score a little in another quarter. You know, maybe maybe that might help. Get things going early in the game. 
that's the offense. Again, I want to point out that Thursday night football is Thursday night football, and don't read too much into it. It's Thursday night football. The Steelers were terrible as road team as a road team on Thursday night football. If you pay attention to history, you should have been expecting that. Um, that's it for the offense. We're going to take a break, do a little commercial, and when we get back for the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the defense. And there's there's some there's actually more interesting stuff to talk about on the defense. Uh, so stay tuned. Listen up for that right after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Today, I want to plug a bit of my work that's going to be going up on the website this week. I have, as usual, the Vertex that I do with Dave Schofield. That's going to be on Akella Witherspoon. So if you're interested in seeing what all he's brought to the to the team, numbers-wise, and also from the film, uh, check out the Vertex from Dave Schofield. Now it'll be going up this week. Uh, also later in the week, a film room looking at Devin Bush. And there's going to be more. That's only two of my articles. I, have, I've, I do four articles a week. I've got two more than that coming. And I don't know what exactly they're all going to be on. We'll see what I draw out from the film. Likely another film room if I can do it. Getting on to the theme of this show, we're talking about where the bright spots are in this game. We're talking about what we can take away from Thursday night football, which I'll constantly remind you, be careful what you judge from a Thursday night football game. It's naturally a crappy game, especially for the road team. But let's talk about what we saw. After a really good game against the Ravens, Chris Wormley turned right back into a pumpkin. Uh, he was getting driven around. Oh, my goodness. There's one play, one of the bigger gains uh, for running the ball. Chris Wormley not only gets driven back, he's he's off his feet and getting shoved into Montrevious Adams. They, not just, they don't just move Chris Wormley out of where he needs to be to defend the run. They, they throw him, and I mean throw him, into Montrevious Adams. Uh, it's a it's a play I've heard Devin Bush get criticized for because he ends up with a blocker on him as the only person that can stop this run before it gets to Minka Fitzpatrick. It's been shown a lot of different places, uh, but we're go, I'm, I'm, that's going to make my Devin Bush film room because 
holy crap, seeing him just get absolutely just destroyed and thrown into and taking out another of his own linemen. It was it was incredible. Uh, Cameron Hayward actually struggled a bit early on in this game. I wouldn't call his play bad, but he looked mortal. He looked like a normal lineman. And that is rare. That is really rare. He did turn it around pretty quickly. Uh, but there for a little bit, I think it was the end of the first and the second quarter, they were running at Cameron Hayward. The Vikings actually were running the ball at Cameron Hayward. He was getting driven back by double teams. He even lost a few 1v1s. Got it turned around partway into the second quarter uh, and was his usual self from then on. But he just had a bad start. And that's that to me is the epitome of Thursday night football. When you see Cameron Hayward, just not being himself at all and looking not good, looking average to below average as a defensive lineman. That's your Thursday night football impact. That's a guy who's tired. That's a guy who is worn out. This is a guy who hasn't had good practices. He's, he's just off. His schedule's off. Everything's off. Pro football players get in a schedule to set up for game day. So they are absolutely their best on Sunday to change that schedule to go from, you know, six days to prep for the next week to three. Screws that all up. And we saw that. We saw it with Cameron Hayward. He did not play well for a part of this game. And that's not at all an indictment of him. That's just Thursday night football. And I want to give you that as an example. That he, that, that happens even to Cameron Hayward on Thursday night football. Montrevious Adams was, again, passable as a defensive tackle, which means he was an upgrade. He was, again, an upgrade to this defense. Uh, A defensive line that is still getting beat too much. Holes were big. They were all over the place. It was a terrible game for the defensive line. But honestly, if you're not used to that by now, if you're not expecting this line to be bad, I, I don't know what to tell you. Montrevious Adams was on the practice squad for a defensive for a defensive line is not that great in New Orleans and he is a significant upgrade over what we have here right now that's just the state of this line it's it's bad our hope is maybe Carlos Davis can come back and be solid as Montrevious Adams and all of a sudden this line goes you know gets a little better and can hold up at least Hold their ground, maybe. Moving on from the defensive line, TJ Watt played well while he was in. Again, he leaves a game, and again, with him not playing completely healthy the entire game, the Steelers lose. It's an awful season for TJ Watt. This this is the best we've ever seen him play. He's on MVP type of tear when he's healthy, but he can't stay healthy. It's J.J. Watt-esque here, and and it's kind of crazy. He may be the best defender in football, but he can't stay on the field. Alex Highsmith was solid. The, The story with him is becoming the Steelers need him to be more than he is. Right now, he is a really good run defender. I'd put him, you know, top tier, maybe second tier in all the NFL as an edge defender against the run. He's really good out there. Doesn't matter much when the defensive line is atrocious, but he is really good himself. 
he's a decent secondary pass rusher. He's not even good. He's not even solid as a secondary pass rusher. And the Steelers need him to at least be that. When when TJ Watt is out, the, the, the entire pass rush is gone. It disappears entirely. And in his second year, Highsmith isn't that guy yet. To, to, to bring it up here, Bud Dupree played 23 games total in his first two seasons. He missed nine games in 2016. In those 23 games, in his first two years, he had eight and a half sacks. That's on a team with old James Harrison. Uh, when he came back in 2016, Cameron Hayward was out, and he had it was it was him and and James Harrison, Stephon Tuitt, uh Trying to remember, I can't remember who the other defensive end was. Javon Hargrave, before Javon Hargrave was really really good when he was still young. Bud Dupree still got it done. He still managed to get sacks just with athleticism. Alex Highsmith has five sacks in 28 games so far. He is three and a half sacks behind where Bud Dupree finished in his second season. And he's played five more games than Bud Dupree already. I like Alex Highsmith. I like his attitude. I love his run defense. I love his hustle. I love his effort. But as a pass rusher, we need to see more from him on the production side, not the skill side, because he's got talent. But we need to see him produce. Behind Watt and Highsmith, we have the not-so-dynamic duo that I, uh, I I have now personally dubbed Taco Tuska. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, right? That's pretty bad. Taco Tuska. That's uh, Taco Charlton and uh, Derek Tuska. They hustle. They're not terrible. They're also not good. They're backups. They should be the fourth and fifth guy. You know, they shouldn't be a top three. And right now, they're too often, one of them, you know, they're they're covering for the loss of DJ Watt. Uh, when they're in, they're not a strength. And when you're not a strength next to a weakness in the defensive line, it's all bad. It just, it's all bad. Everyone on the offensive line is winning. They're just playing too much for this defense to be good. It really is. The, the defense cannot be really good with Tuska and Charlton, with Taco Tuska playing that much. And the defense needs to be really good for the Steelers to win. That's, that's the bottom line for those two guys. Let's move on to the inside linebackers. I've got bad news for Devin Bush haters. Uh, Devin Bush was better this game than the last game which was his best game since his injury early in the season. That's two straight games where he's trending in the right direction, and he was, this game, the Steelers' best inside linebacker. I'll go even farther and say he wasn't a negative in this game. He was solid. He's still not himself from 2020, early 2020 and 2019. Not where they need him to be, but he has gone, he is far above being the biggest problem on this team. He flowed to the ball better this game. Uh, he was better in his movement. He was better in coverage. Uh, he, he was targeted all of twice. He had that tip for uh, Akella Witherspoon's interception. And he gave up one catch. 
He's never going to be a linebacker that takes on blockers and dominates the point of attack. He's not Vince Williams. He wasn't drafted to be that guy. He was drafted for coverage, and he was drafted for his sideline-to-sideline speed. Sideline-to-sideline speed isn't there yet, but it's slowly coming back. He was quicker this game. His starts and his stops were quicker this game. You can see he's getting a little more confidence back in his movement. While Devin Bush, you'd like to see him be able to take on blockers and win, he's not that dude. But you know who else isn't that guy? Joe Schobert. Joe Schobert isn't that guy. Joe Schobert gets a blocker and he's done too, right? Joe Schobert is flowing to the ball slower than Devin Bush. And in coverage, in man coverage, he's a liability. And this is a problem we're going to get into here very shortly. Uh, So remember that. Joe Schobert is good in zone coverage. Very good. He is not good in man, even on tight ends and running backs. And he's losing to blockers just as Devin Bush is. Now let's move on to cornerbacks because this is where we're going to get back into the, the man defense angle. Witherspoon played great because he played within his style. He is a deep coverage guy and he is a man coverage corner. Early on, he's giving up underneath stuff, but he was tackling the catch and he was tough to beat deep. But beyond that, the Steelers were giving him help. If you think of the first early in the game, the opening score is that touchdown to Justin Jefferson where he beats uh, Cameron Sutton. You look at the All-22 for that clip. It's it's uh, seven-man front for the Steelers because the the Vikings are in an I-form. They've got two running backs. They're 21 personnel, fullback, running back, tight end, right? Steelers have their front seven in. Edmonds is way up because he's got to help run defense. There's too many blockers there. Steelers need bodies in there to have a prayer at stopping the run. And at that point, the the Vikings have been running the ball, right? Well, that when they drop back and throw it, now you've got three people playing pass defense, really. You've got two wide receivers running routes, and they're running deep cross route, right? So they're both coming to the middle. You've got Witherspoon and Sutton both starting with kind of outside leverage, funneling it towards the middle towards the safety. Well, as these two cross, Minka Fitzpatrick has to choose one to help. Cameron Sutton's on Justin Jefferson, by far the most dangerous weapon on the field for Minnesota, and he helps Witherspoon. On Minnesota's number two receiver, who would normally be like their number three or number four guy. Not covering the guy who may break Randy Moss's record for most yardage in the first two seasons of their career. Guy who's in in on the pace where he could challenge that, right? Minka Fitzpatrick helps Akella Witherspoon, leaving Cameron Sutton alone with Justin Jefferson, and predictably, that's where the ball goes. Like That's where you go. Sutton is not a man coverage guy. He's better in zone, and he's not a guy you want on an island with another team's number one receiver, especially an athlete and route runner like Jefferson. If it's one of the two, if it's a faster player, but they're not good at running routes, Sutton can handle it a little better. If it's a guy who can run routes, but it's not that fast, Sutton can do it. But when you get one of those top tier guys, Cameron Sutton can't be on an island with that guy and win that. Sutton's a good, solid number two corner. And we were asking him to be like Darrell Revis there, right? A lot of this game, he was asked to do that. Be- and and we'll, get, we'll get a little farther. Um, dime position is now Justin Lane. 
right? Not James Pierre. James Pierre was starting. They dropped him, but they didn't drop him to back to dime. They dropped him out of the lineup. And there's a reason why, because James Pierre is a fantastic zone corner who doesn't do well in man. And the Steelers, with Witherspoon and Justin Lane, are playing two corners who are much, much better in man. And with the Steelers needing to really load the box and go cover one, they have to play more man. The run defense and the failings of the defensive line has created a situation where the Steelers don't use zone as much, and they're using cornerbacks that are more man-cover guys, putting Cameron Sutton in a role that he's not quite as good at, and leaving situations where Minka Fitzpatrick has to choose between who he's going to help on these routes, and he chose Witherspoon, and you get a say, and you get a touchdown. If you go late in the game, the 62-yard touchdown, the only really you know big long play of the game uh, in the passing game, the one that got past the safeties, it's also in 21. Per, it's in 21 personnel. Steelers have their seven-man front. T.J. Watt is out. Edsman's up in the box to help cover the run. The play saw Akella Witherspoon's guy come across the field in a deep cross. But it's a it's it's not like a, a a deep cross. You think the route's make an X. This one, the route flattens out and he goes straight across the field, and the other route goes just straight deep. Right? Minka Fitzpatrick does what the defense is set to do. There, he jumps that middle route so that you can't throw it for the first down. And Akella Witherspoon's job is to drop deep. Akella Witherspoon can't catch up to help Cameron Sutton. And you had Cameron Sutton one-on-one with the with the receiver. The real problem on this play, though, is Kirk Cousins has three and a half seconds to stand there, watch this take place, watch where Minka Fitzpatrick goes, and then step into a throw and throw completely clean with no one around him. No threats, no pressure, nothing, let alone contact. He's just completely free. He throws, goes his whole fall, goes through his whole follow-through, and stands there perfectly clean. Throws a beautiful pass because of it. Most NFL quarterbacks are going to be able to throw a really nice deep ball if they have that kind of situation where they can stand there for three and a half seconds, figure out exactly where they need to put the ball, and then throw it completely clean. No restrictions to their movement, no contact, nothing. That's how you give up a big play. The, the receiver also got away with a bit of a push-off. Uh, Cameron Sutton always struggles with physicality in the routes, and so he he struggled a little bit more with that push-off than maybe, you know, than a Joe Hayden would. But that's that's Cameron Sutton. You know, that's him. The problem there is you can't give a quarterback that much time. Or someone's going to be open, and he's going to be able to make a good throw. This it, it consistently comes back to this. I I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, you know? The defensive line is awful outside of Cameron Hayward. And for a little bit of the game, he wasn't good this, this time. And because of that, T.J. Watt is super important. Without T.J. Watt, this team doesn't have pass rush because they can just double-team Cameron Hayward and laugh at every single other player we have in the front, including Alex Highsmith. They don't fear him. They don't fear any of those guys. They double-team Cameron Hayward all day to sit back there and pass. And against this secondary? I mean, last year, Cameron Sutton 
was our number four cornerback. James Pierre was a UDFA, Justin Lane was benched, and Akella Witherspoon was a nobody. It was washed up. And that's our secondary. Those are our cornerbacks this year. Those guys aren't the kind of cornerbacks that can that can lead a defense and be a coverage unit that can that can dominate. They're not that. They need help. And they're not getting it. That's uh that's the second half of this. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. Check out all of the other Behind the Steel Curtain podcasts. Let's hope these 10 days off and getting away from a Thursday night game can help the Steelers rebound and do a lot better than they have been doing here last uh, this game and before the Ravens game. And we can see some actual growth in a positive direction. That's what we're hoping for. I'm not holding my breath, but I am hoping for it. So thank you for listening. Have a good weekend. Go Steelers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.